the seventh episode of The Lost Tribe, The Traveler. I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. This week I'll be reading chapters 17, 18, and 19. If you enjoy what you hear, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, as that is the lifeblood of podcasting. If you're interested in purchasing the books, they are available on Amazon. Thank you all very much for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 17 I woke up a couple of times, once when I found myself being lifted up and carried, and another when they started fooling with my arm. I blacked out after that. Now, I was slowly coming to, and I immediately felt discomfort. I moved to grab at my crotch, thinking that the catheter was still in, but I didn't have a right arm to move or the freedom to move the left. Memory flooded back into me. I wasn't in a hospital. Oh, I'd been captured. They had me manacled to some kind of iron chair, and I could barely make out what was happening. They had drugged me, I could feel it in my system, dulling my brain with bad chemicals. I knew with certainty that I wouldn't be able to summon my will to do anything in this state. There was an IV stuck in my left arm, suspended by a metal hook welded to the chair, which is pretty incongruous with the rest of my surroundings. The chamber I was in was small, with a single open window which I was positioned in front of, and seemed to be made of some rough cobbled stone. There was hay on the floor and a small table with a water pitcher set on it, with two cups. The room smelled strongly of awful which I attributed to a bucket tucked away in one corner. How long had I been here? My right arm felt odd. Below the pain there was a maddening tingling. But then under that, a cold numbness that made me think it was still kind of halfway there. I kept squinting to get a better look, but it was hard to focus. It seemed to be there, but was wrapped entirely in bandages. I tried to push up on the chair, but some genius had bolted it to the stone floor. The kingdom had outdone itself on planning this time. They must have had it all worked out what they would do if they got one of us. I hoped Casey got away. The thought of her locked up in this room, pumped full of drugs and maimed, made me furious. The rage I felt towards the kingdom was helping me reach some kind of focus. I kept reaching after that clear state of mind, but it was hard to keep a grip on. kept slipping away like sand through my fingers. It was then that I realized I wasn't alone. Uh, Make yourselves at home. Don't mind me. Jack moved around from behind me, of course, the bastard, and slapped me on the shoulder. He leaned against the wall and stuck his hands in his pockets. Boy, some guys get all the luck, right, Mick? Sarcasm, I asked, looking around at my surroundings and my confined body in the chair. Not in the least. You've got a bird's eye view of the ripe festival of horrors going on below. Didn't you notice? Guess I missed that, I said, drooling slightly. I'm a little hurt, Mick. After all the trouble we went to getting you here fixing you up, and finding a way to confine you so that you wouldn't skip out on the show, you don't even see it? Flesh will be so disappointed. He grabbed me by the hair and pushed my head towards the window. I cried out and struggled against him. Can you hear them, Mick? Do you see? I found that I could hear distant screams from far below the window. That is the sound of the kingdom of Trelane as it burns, Mick. That is the sound of its people dying in scores as the wolves move from street to street. I struggled against the restraints of the chair, but couldn't do a damn thing. One of the places I truly loved was being crushed under the heel of the kingdom, and I was powerless to stop them. I hung my head, ashamed at my abject failure. You look so miserable, Mick. Defeated, really. You have no idea how much I'm relishing this. But please, understand that I'm not without compassion for you. Even though your actions against us have been seriously egregious, I think a friendly face would be some small comfort to you, wouldn't it? He motioned to someone I couldn't see. Then an awful thing came around my other side to stand in front of me. It looked like a man, but its face was stretched out, drooping and gray, 
and there were black spots where hair used to be. Its shoulders and back looked like someone had wrenched them up and down quickly, leaving them misshapen and gnarled. Its limbs were also twisted. But the arms ended in two perfect hands and a stroke of true incongruity. The only clothing it had on was a black smock that was blood-stained and torn. When I looked at it in the eye, the only feeling I had was pity. However, it looked at me with such a hateful glare that I began to see the man inside the twisted flesh. I seen the same look on his face when he died. Yes, I can already see that you've guessed the identity of our attending physician, if you can call him that. Flesh found him in the hallway of that hospital you were in. Barely alive, really. I beheld the ruin of my once captor. Why this, Jack? The man was dead and probably lucky considering what happened to some of the other staff. Oh, well first of all, he wasn't dead. Almost. Flesh found him barely coherent, babbling about you, actually. She held him up enough to get the story out of him, and then she showed him what she thought of his plan to use you for experimentation. Not cool, Wilkes. Not cool. Oh, that's very noble of you. Not really. He traded his life for a guarantee that he would be able to restrain you once he had you. And so far, you can't argue with the results, right? I'd say the doping is working real well. Although, I wish you were more here so that you could experience what is going on more fully. It's a damn shame. You both can go to hell and damn your disappointment. I spat on Wilkes' smock. I could have spit on Jack's, but Wilkes was closer and my lips were kind of numb. Charming. See you at dinner, Mick. I hope you like supper through a straw. You sure aren't going to be holding a fork. I heard a door open and close behind me. Wilkes leaned over and looked me in the eye. Welcome to hell, Mr. Farrell, he said, his voice slurred and distorted by the flopping flesh of his face. I looked back at him, smiling. I think this new look suits you much better, Doc. It shows how ugly you are inside, all twisted up with ambition and greed. You were too clean-cut and spotless for it to show before. He struck me across the face, and I felt another tooth slip loose. Good punch, Doc. Careful, I said, dribbling a bit of blood. You don't want to damage the goods. He raised his fist to strike me again. But instead, a delicate arm and a silk sleeve licked out from behind him and slit his throat with a straight razor. Blood soaked his smock and dripped on the floor as he collapsed, choking and dying. Hopefully for the last time. I hate to think what he'd look like if he came back again. To be honest, I have expected Casey to be there, smiling with blade in hand. A southern woman, contrary to popular belief held by most southern men, knows how to take care of business as the need arises. Penny leaned over to wipe the blade on Wilkes' corpse. Glad I'm not from the South, whatever that means. I raised my eyebrows at her as she stepped over Wilkes. I thought you were blind. I surely am. But I can see those of us who have power, and I can see the remnants of power on those whom flesh works her miracles. Can you read people's minds, too? We don't have time for silly questions now, Mick. Just listen. I never disagree with a woman thus armed. She smiled and folded the blade, tucking it into my shirt pocket. I frowned at her, but she nodded. I'm not even here, Mick. As far as my friends will know, you kill the little freak. Okay, I'm all right with that. Let's get down to business, then. We don't have time to spare. I can't read minds, Mick, but voices whisper things to me. They speak about secret things that I don't think I should know, but I get to know anyhow. Lethia is looking for something, Mick. Something that will give her power over those like Apostos, and maybe the rest of us as well. She says she'll share that power, but I don't trust her. She's crazier than I am and more ambitious by half. She won't even tell us what it is, if she even knows. So far, she's been trying to find all the ones like us, using Falcon and myself to find the traces of their power. She's burning the worlds we travel through. Raising them would bring us out of hiding. 
I would imagine one of us possesses the power, but the voices that speak to me won't tell me what that is. They are talking about you, Mick. That's why she wants you, even though she don't know why. What are the voices saying about me? Mm, I don't think so, Mick. My mother taught me never to give away what I can get something with. Oh, what do you want, Penny? Personally, I don't care about Lithia's little crusade. It's not what I want in this life. I just want to spend the rest of my days with Jack. He makes me happy and treats me well, even though he is a scoundrel. But I know many, and he's the least regrettable of my indiscretions. No accounting for taste, I guess. Don't you discount him, Mick. He's only doing what's best, all things considered. He's not like Falkir or Lithia, not monstrous like them. Duly noted. So what's your deal? I'll tell you exactly what the voices are saying, and I'll help you get out of here. In exchange, you help Jack and help me escape with you, and then we leave us out of the rest of this little conflict. Works for me, but I can't vouch for the rest of your friends in the kingdom. What about them? With what we know about them, we'll be able to stay clear until this whole mess blows over. Hold still. Penny moved around to the other side of me and made an adjustment to the IV. I frowned and followed her as she came back around. What was that about? Well, we don't want you to be stoned for dinner, do we? You'll have to act the part, but it'll throw them off. Maybe give us a chance that we need to get out of here. Do you understand? I was suspicious of all of this, but on the other hand, I wanted to get back to Casey and the others. The prospect of more quality time with the kingdom also motivated me. They would pay for Trelane. I would make sure of it. Yeah, I'm good. I'll help you both get out of here. You've got something to tell me? Penny put her hand on my shoulder and leaned over. It concerns your dreams, Mick, and your friend Apostos. I listened real close. Jack came in an hour later. He was dressed in a fine-looking suit and was pushing a wheelchair. Time for dinner. I hate the idea of playing nursemaid with you, but I can't find... He stopped as he saw the body. Wilkes, you son of a bitch. I shrugged, letting the drool I'd been saving drip down my chin. Sorry. Chapter 18 I was in a castle of some sort. Jack wheeled me into the main chamber, which had many stained-glass windows rendered in painstaking, detailed style. It depicted the founding of the city and the great milestones of its history. The walls were rounded, made of well-fitted coarse stone, and the ceiling was supported by large, thick beams that crisscrossed each other in their configuration. Torches were ensconced in a ring around the room, just above head height, which cast a red glare on the assembled diners. The kingdom was sitting around a large, rectangular oak table in the middle and were attended by both human and human-like servants. Lethia sat at the head, flanked by Falkir and a middle-aged man with a forked beard and a shaved head dressed in monk's robes that I didn't know. Falkir was still scarred, but no longer bore the wolf-like face that I saw him wear last. Instead, he had a bandana wrapped around his mouth, as he was the first time I saw him. Penny was on his left, and across from her sat the cloaked figure of flesh. Jack wheeled me in beside her, which made my skin crawl. He took a seat beside Penny. They were all smiling at me, save for the man beside Lethia, who glowered at me with flashing green eyes. He was one of us, but not one I had tangled with yet. The knight was young, after all. He looks so wasted, Jack. Was it not possible to make him more aware for this evening? Not so much, my queen. Wilkes dragged him up just enough to keep him unfocused and underpowered. Do remind me to thank the good doctor. He has done so much to make this night possible. Wilkes is dead, my queen. Flesh let out a gasp and turned to glare at me. Falkir chuckled. What do you mean? I thought you said Mick was drugged up enough to restrict him. 
Black veins began to creep through Lethia's body, her rage beginning to twist her into her monstrous halter ego. Jack held up his hands. Wait, Majesty. He had planned on killing Mick. I interrupted him in the act of trying to do so and slew him myself. I couldn't let such as he have his way again with one of us, even if it is Mick. Lethia bristled. I am not pleased, Jack. I looked across the table. Penny's face was nervous and taut, and she gripped Jack's hand tightly. The servants were also beginning to quake a little. Wine! Lethia shouted. A young man loped over with a large jug, his face white. As he leaned over to serve her, she grabbed him and slapped her hand against his chest, holding it there. He screamed in agony as his blood began to trickle between her fingers. She smiled at Falkir. His eyes gleamed as he watched Lethia consume the man. Jack was expressionless, flesh unknowable beneath her cloak, and Penny only looked down at her hands. The bearded man beside Lethia merely sipped from his glass, observing the scene. Do you want him when I am finished? Lethia asked Falkir. Alas, my queen, my larder is full. Falkir said, grinning at the man across from him. Perhaps have Nicholas pitch him out one of the windows. Amusing, Falkir, truly. I think we both know who does the heavy lifting here, though, don't we? A regular beast of burden, you. I think not. Falkir's clawed hands dug into the table. Please, gentlemen. Lethia dropped the young man to the floor and nodded at me. Not in front of company. I did my best not to rack throughout the horrific display. If I hadn't already chosen a side, I could see which way I would have turned after seeing Lethia's little tantrum. She was a true monster. I could see why Penny was so afraid of her. I was about to look away from the display when I felt a hand start rubbing my leg. I jumped a bit. Shh, child, it's only me. I caught the scent of a flowery perfume, and I turned to see that Flesh had her hand on my leg and her cowl was turned towards me. Of her face, I could only see a half-moon that showed the smooth, delicate, coffee-colored skin of a young black woman. The rest I couldn't see, but I knew what was there from what Casey had told me in our private moments. Flesh had been driven mad by the condition of her own disfigurement, a condition that she couldn't fix with her talents. It was because of this, Casey believed, that she inflicted her gruesome sense of beauty upon others. Do you like what I've made for you? Her hand stroked the bandage-wrapped misery that I presumed was my dead hand. At her touch, I felt it jerk involuntarily. I could feel that same cold, but I could feel the numbness going away. It felt strong but painful. I tried to protest as she began to unwrap the bandage. I didn't want to see it. Oh, I dreaded it. Ah, oh, there we are, Mick. Isn't it beautiful? I gagged. I moaned. Flesh held it up in her own hand and kissed the palm. She brings out the best in people, Falkir said, his smile obvious but unseen behind his bandana. My hand was not a pretty sight. I could only stare at it in shock. At the place where Otomo had cut it off, there was a transition from tanned flesh to black, like it had been dipped in oil. Small, glowing green lines like veins wove through it in a strange pattern. The nails were still pearl in color but were haggard and torn. I moved the fingers and saw that the skin glistened, and the veins pulsed as it moved. Why the hell did they do this? I reached up and seized Flesh's arm. She yelped, and Nicholas jumped up from where he sat to grab me in a chokehold. I nodded backward and struck him in the chin. I heard him shout out a short shout of rage, and then my chair went horizontal and I hit the floor. I heard the chair creak and splinter. I owe you for that, you cur! He snarled, blood dripping from his mouth and down into his beard. He waved his hand, and green fire followed it in lines and traces. I could feel the heat baking off of him. Calm yourself. Our guest is bound to resent our ministrations. You should have been more careful. Yes, Nicky. Having a hard time with the doped-up prisoner. Silence. You would all do well not to incur any more of my displeasure. The sedatives were about gone now, 
and I was feeling all the pain of my confinement acutely. My hand ached murderously beneath the cold numbness that was slipping away. It didn't help that it was trapped somewhere underneath me where I lay on my side. It was mine still, and it felt strong, but I knew something was wrong with it, fundamentally. I tried to move it out from under me, and partially succeeded in moving it to a better position. Just as I had won that small victory, Nicholas grabbed the chair and put me back into place. Flesh shied away from me, frowning and muttering underneath her breath. I had the sense that things were not going as Penny had predicted, and I had to act soon. Nicholas pulled out a chair beside me and sat down. He put his hands down on the table, and I could smell the faintest scent of burning wood. I looked across at Penny, and she blinked at me, then looked away. This is a very special evening, Mick. Do you know why? I turned towards her, lolling my head and blinked. Sorry, no. At last we've captured those who have threatened what we are trying to build. You, who have defied our will, and your little playmate as well. I looked up sharply. Casey? No! Oh my, yes, Mickey. We have her. And let me tell you, she is so sweet. Falkir made a motion with his hand in the air, and a door opened in the hall. Otomo entered, dragging Casey's unconscious body behind him. I knew it was her. My hand began to twitch uncontrollably. My heart began to pound, and I could feel a surge of power. As Tomo got closer, I could try to get loose of the chair, straining against the restraints. I rejoiced as my efforts actually caused an arm to crack in half, probably halfway down in the fall. Nicholas grabbed my wrist, the wrist attached to my wrong, distorted hand, and wrenched it back. I grunted in pain and pretended to relent. I could tell Nicholas was enjoying himself. He held the grip tightly and would not let go. Do you want to see what happens to those who defy us? He whispered, his hot breath in my ear. Otomo walked past Penny and Jack and slung Casey's body into a chair. I did a double take because I could barely tell it was her. Her beautiful face was bruised so badly that it looked like she had gone ten rounds with a Clydesdale's hooves. Her lips were broken and bleeding, her eyes were swollen shut, and her nose clearly broken. They broke her. Rage took over, and I ripped my arm up from the chair and landed a blow across Nicholas's face. He let go of me, stumbling as I got up from the chair. You knew she was here! I shouted at Penny. You knew and you said nothing! Damn you! Lethia's cruel laughter echoed throughout the hall. Ah, Mick, we are all excellent actors, are we not? You thought that Penny and Jack would betray me? Betray the kingdom? You are truly a fool. Jack moved to pull something out of his jacket pocket, but before he could pull it out, a ghost's horror protruded from his chest. I looked up to see a semi-transparent Otomo standing behind him. He had Jack in a chokehold and a ghost the sword through him. Penny looked up in horror. I can only imagine what she saw. Jack was gasping, his eyes fixed on the blade. It is you who are the fool, Lethia, Otomo said in a cold, even tone. I was barely keeping up with what was going on. Case was slumped over the table, blood trickling from her mouth. Green fire erupted from behind me. I ducked as a fist coated in the stuff flew over my head. I was tiring of this. I had backhanded Nicholas, swapping a clay mug from the table, and shattered his jaw. It sent him sprawling. I had turned back to find flesh was in my way, a wide smile breaking across her dark face. She drew a curved blade from beneath her cloak. I swapped it from her and put it against her throat. Any weapon you have, I can use against you. Haven't any of you learned that yet? Please, Mick, I... I wrapped my hand around her throat. I could feel her pulse racing, and I could feel as well the slow, dread pulse of my own disfigured hand. I had no words to threaten with, no last little quips to joke my way out of the situation. I knew they were all going to be on me in a moment, but at least I could get some measure of revenge for what they had done to Casey. What they had done to me. Flesh's hood fell away, and I saw how ruined and cadaverous the rest of her face was. I smiled at her ugliness and felt my own rise from somewhere inside me and squeezed harder. 
Her eyes rolled back into her head. My hand began to glow, the veins pulsing with energy. My mind raced away with the pulses. From somewhere, a voice was screaming my name and something crashed loudly in the room, but I couldn't tear myself away from my grim task. The world was now just my hand around her throat. At the same time, I could feel my eyes burning, consumed by the green energy that flowed through us all. I felt a hand grip me on the shoulder and I turned my head. A face was thrust up against my own, the face of a young man but twisted up by rage and hunger. His lips were drawn back in a snarl, his flesh was feverish and damp, and his eyes were black pools of night. He screamed at me. Darkness, swirling up from the depths of his maw, swallowed me whole. For a moment I was back in the nothing between worlds. As I spun in that absence, I realized it was getting brighter, and my feet touched down on solid ground. Other sights began to resolve. There was a marble floor beneath my feet, and it was slick with blood. I was inside a large hall of pillars that reached up to meet a vaulted ceiling. Torches burned to cast a shadowy half-light on the scene of debauchery. I had my hand wrapped around the throat of a man dressed in chainmail and white robes, very similar to Apostos' gear. He had black hair and a familiar look. He collapsed to the floor, his eyes glazed over in death. I felt triumphant, jubilant of my wanton murder. I looked around me and saw that there were others like the black-haired one engaged in combat around the room, except that their hands were clawed and blackened like my own hand was now. Now? That seemed an odd way to reckon it. The others were tearing apart knights in full plate with two-handed swords. These warriors were nothing to them at all, an easy challenge that could be pulled apart by eager claws. There were other ones like the black-haired man fighting with us as well. They fought bravely, but the touch of our black hands was destroying them, draining them of their life. I nodded at one of my comrades, a woman engaged in the business of putting out the eyes of one of the knights. She grinned with glee and laughed. I, I knew that laugh. Lethia. I turned back from the carnage to see a shadow fall across me and looked up to see Apostos standing at the entrance to the hall. He was joined by three others, and they all wore looks of grim determination. They began to stride forward. Their hands were filled with green light. I shouted a warning at my comrades, fear rising in my heart at the sight of these stalwart warriors. I watched as blasts of green light flew out from Apostos, and his men hit the others who stood with me. My comrades twitched as it flowed over them, and they collapsed. I realized very soon that I was alone. His eyes glowing with power, Apostos marched over and grabbed my armor. He lifted me off the floor and began to shake me. What have you done, Lyconus? What have you done? He threw me to the floor and blasted me with green energy. I felt pain lance through me, torturing my spirit. It was slowly eating me alive, and I soon surrendered to the devouring light. As I slipped away, I saw the ones that my comrades had taken down before Apostos arrived began to rise from where they had died, their hands blackening and turning to claws. They howled at Apostos. I spared my last glance up at him and heard his words. Destroy them all! None can be saved! The light swallowed me, and I felt no more. Chapter 19 When my vision cleared, I realized I was holding up the slack and lifeless body of flesh in my disfigured hand. It was much more open in the hall now as the prow of a ship with a familiar figurehead had broken through the windows and now hung above the table. Jack lay beneath me in a pool of his own blood, gasping for life as Penny held him. Otomo now had Casey slung over his shoulder. The other kingdom members were staring at me in horror. Ditto for Henry, Takum, and Apostos, who stood on the deck of the ship. What had I been doing? I dropped flesh to the table and stumbled back. I looked down at my hand, which was pulsing with energy. I turned back to look at Penny. She squirmed as I walked up to her, clutching Jack as he bled out. 
Ah, oh, leave us alone, Mick, please. I stepped over them and grabbed Casey from Otomo. He made no move to stop me, but he did glance up at Apostos, who shook his head slightly. I sneered at him and pointed at him with my new and horrible hand, and then shook it in a clenched fist at Apostos, who blanched noticeably. These games were getting old, and I was done playing my part. I stepped away, kicking Nicholas as I passed where he lay on the floor, and used the wall to raise a portal. Mick, where are you going? Apostos shouted. My preparations finished, the words said. The portal of green fire stood before me. I looked up at Apostos. In a week, be at the place where I took you down. No more games. If you send anyone else, they'll die like she died. That goes double for you, Kingdom Bastards. You've seen what I can do, and you're damn lucky I don't destroy all of you right here and now. Goodbye. The Kingdom's castle disappeared behind me, and the familiar hunting grounds of my friends appeared before me. I cradled Casey and made my way towards Taroche. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of The Lost Tribe, The Traveler. Thanks again to my friend Taylor Cronk for voicing Jack again this week. Tune in next week for another exciting adventure of The Lost Tribe.